Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, praise God. You have your Bibles turned to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We are in the middle of a series called Freedom. Somebody say freedom. Come on, say it like you're free. Say freedom. Oh, I like it. Yeah, some of you, you, got, you almost have to shout that word, don't you? Man, what a declaration. This has been the word that God dropped in our hearts for this church, for you, for your family. We are believing and declaring freedom over you this year. And uh, uh, our anchor verse uh, attached to this thought, this idea, I think it's, it's one of the best verses in all the Bible as it relates to freedom is found in Psalm 119, verse 45. Uh, the writer of this chapter says, I will walk in freedom. Somebody say walk. You know, you know it's, freedom's not just a place that you visit. Can I have a good amen? It's so much more than just an experience, a moment, but it's a journey. He says, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted. Somebody say devoted. I've committed myself to the commandments of the Lord. I think there's a divine connection between freedom and God's word. We said that in week one of this series. We, we talked about you can't separate freedom from the truth. How many know when you start to drift away from the truth, then you start to become entangled in bondage? Can somebody say amen? So our commitment is to the word, and the word is going to reveal truth. Jesus said, you'll know truth, and truth will set you free. How many of you were here last week when we talked about freedom over your past? How do we get free from the memories and the moments and the hurt, the heartache, the craziness of yesterday? Well, remember we said it's by the blood of the lamb, and it's by the word of our testimony. Uh, today, the topic is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. We know that History makers are note takers. If you're following along in the app, you'll see where we're going. The title of the message today is simply this, Freedom in Your Habits. Freedom in Your Habits. How many of you are creatures of habit? Now, some of you didn't raise your hand, but you should raise your hand. Sometimes we pick up habits along the way that we don't realize until we get married. Or especially when we start having kids. How many know your kids will talk to you about the real you? Right, here's a great exercise. Do this today to make me feel better. This week, I want you to try this, this challenge, okay? Text your family and close friends and ask them, what are the habits that you've seen me develop in my life? I tried this, okay? I did. I sent out a, a family text into some of my closest friends. Are there any annoying habits, bad habits, funny habits that I have in my life, and this is what they responded with, uh, snoring. Now, that is, that is unconfirmed allegation, but it has been said that I occasionally may snore at night. That's a habit. Um, my kids say that when I listen to a song and I get in my feels, come on, how you know, you, you know what I'm talking about here. I will wear that song out because I will listen to it over and over and over, and I'll play it loud. Come on. And then they're like, they walk in and they hear the song. They're like, no, dad, not again. 
I will wear a song out. And speaking of songs, and I know this to be true. They say, Dad, you don't know any words <laughs> to any of the songs that you love. How many of you are like that? You kind of know the tune, the melody. You'll get a word or two, but then, hey, I'm a friend. Hey, 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 ho, ho. Like, Dad, you're butchering the song. Um, some of my staff told me this, and I, embarrassingly, I do think this is true. They say, Pastor, when you pray, you pray really loud. And it's tough in group settings because we can't hear ourselves over you. I've been known to hijack a prayer meeting or two. <laughs> the other day, we were with our small group, and a group of guys sitting around the table. We all went around and said, hey, here's what we, you know, prayer request for the day. Can you pray for this, pray for this, pray? So we all identified what we needed prayer for. And I asked one of the guys, I said, Joe, would you lead us in prayer? So Joe starts praying. And, you know, I'm not letting him pray for me. I'm praying with him. So I just went in, and man, I'm, I'm praying, and I'm plowing, and I'm pressing in. Come on, you got to press. And I didn't realize how loud I was getting until I heard Joe starting to say amen to everything I was saying. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, 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 get, I guess I can do that. Um, you know, sometimes we discover things about ourselves that we don't realize. You know, habits can either work for you or they can work against you. You know, that's why we talk about 21 days. Mike, why do we take 21 days to fast and pray every January? Why do we do that 21 days? Because we're trying to develop good habits. How many of you know a good habit will bless your life? A good habit will not only bless your life, but it'll help you become like Jesus. That's why we talk about the one-year Bible. We say, hey, get in God's Word this year. If you'll just take 15 or 20 minutes a day and read His Word, you're developing a habit. That's why we say, hey, make a commitment to the house of God. Be in church this year. Don't let anything keep you out of the house of God. We're praying. We're reading our Bible. We're making a commitment to worship together. Those are good habits, and a good habit will move your life in a good direction. But how many of you know there are bad habits that are out there too? And bad habits have a way of undoing all the good habits that we pray that we're growing in. A bad habit will create some negative patterns, and those negative patterns can invite bondage. Here's a good question that you need to ask. This habit that you're that you're, maybe you're growing in an awareness of, maybe that you're discerning about yourself. Ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing bearing fruit, or is it becoming a weight? Is this bearing fruit? Is this a good habit that's moving me in the right direction, or is this becoming a weight and pulling me away from the things of God? I've told you this before, but I think it's, it worth, it's worth repeating. Studies show that in times of crisis, we revert to habit. When crisis hits, when you walk through an emergency, you go to the things that you automatically do, your, whatever your default is. And so and when it comes to goals, and I know January is the time where we set goals, I believe this, setting habits is more important than setting goals. Because if, if you set goals but you don't have good habits, You'll never reach those goals. But if you commit to healthy habits, good practices, you will reach great 
goals. Sometimes habits are not just bad, but they're sinful. I've seen good people end up in bad places because of bad practices that led them down a sinful path. Sometimes we develop practices or their habits that are actually ways of escape. Uh, maybe because of pain and pressure, we, we turn to different things to cope, to medicate, to, to get in a safe space. And, you know, we want good godly habits, but when we struggle to eliminate old sinful habits, we find ourselves in bondage. Today, I want to give you some practical things when it comes to being free in your habits. Romans chapter 7. As you're turning there, let me give you some context of what the Apostle Paul is writing. Paul, let me give you his resume, okay? I think it's safe to say that in human history, there's probably not a single person other than Jesus who did more to move the gospel forward than the Apostle Paul. I mean, incredible. Consider this. Over 13 years, he embarked on three missionary journeys that traveled 7,000 miles in order to plant 14 churches. He did a lot for the gospel. In fact, we read in the New Testament all the letters that he wrote to the churches. Rome is one of the churches. If we read Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians or Galatians, all of these are churches, places that Paul went, churches that he started, and letters that he wrote to the church. That's why we call him the Colossal Apostle. Now, read with me in Romans chapter 7. I had to give you his resume because I want you to hear what he's saying to the church at Rome. Look at verse 15. I don't really understand myself. Can somebody say Amen. This is good. Y'all are going to be blessed by this. This is the colossal apostle speaking. He says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Mm, somebody say, oh me. Look at verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. Somebody say sinful nature. I want to do what is right but I just can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong. Man, I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Now, you say, Mike, you just bragged on the apostle Paul and now, this is what he's saying. Listen, Paul is giving us an inside look, and I think it ought to help all of us today. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, and I'm going to give these points in two parts, but I want you to see this. The struggle is real. Can somebody say amen? The struggle is real. Next to that, write this down. You're not alone. Have you ever felt like an oddball? You ever felt like, man, everybody has their stuff together except for me? Sometimes it's easy to come to church and be faked out. Man, look, everything's perfect for that family, that individual. They never struggle. They never have problems. And yet inside you feel like a hot mess. Come on, am I talking to anybody? 
This is a great passage to let you know that the, the struggle is real. The apostle Paul says, in me, there's, there's a civil war that's happening. He's, he talks about his sin nature. Now, you can't talk about freedom without going back to original sin. I think every week we've talked about Adam and Eve and their sin in the Garden of Eden. From that day to this day, each one of us has been born into sin. We are born with a sin nature. That means our default is to do what's wrong. Sin nature, the word nature comes from the word natural. Sinning comes natural to us. It's our default to do wrong. But when we receive Christ as our Savior, now we have a new spirit. We have a new nature. And all of a sudden, there's an awareness of, wait a second, I want to do right. I want to do the things that please the Lord. And within the same body, there's this struggle. Your spirit looks like God, longs for the things of God. But then there's this thing called flesh. How many knows what I'm talking about? And flesh sometimes gets in the way. Uh, my mom, years ago, she told me about a bird outside of her window. She said this bird, it was a cardinal. The bird would show up at 6.30 in the morning. And she heard this pounding at her back window. And so she opened the curtains, and there's this cardinal just running into the window from 6.30 in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Just this bird. This was an angry bird. Come on, somebody. The bird would see its reflection in the window and didn't like what he saw. And so he's trying to attack this image, doesn't realize that that's a reflection of himself. Does this not describe us at times? Have you ever said something or done something you thought, where in the world did that come from? Have you ever in a moment said something and as, it, as the words left the tip of your tongue, you wanted to reach out and grab that sentence and slam it back down in your mouth and zip your mouth and say, mm, mm, mm. I guess I'm the only one. Paul said, the things that I, I don't want to do, I end up doing. The things that I try to do right, man, I, I struggle to do it. Oh, wretched man that I am. You see, this is a battle between spirit and flesh. I want you to know this. Spirit and flesh are bitter rivals. They will never get along. Kind of like LSU and Alabama. Come on, talk to me. Y'all see all them athletes hitting the transfer portal? Y'all saw that? Saban rolls out, now the whole football team. I heard that the entire Alabama fan base has hit the transfer portal. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Spirit and flesh don't get along. Let me tell you something about our flesh. Our flesh is self-centered. It only thinks about self, but our spirit thinks about others. Flesh is impatient. Got to have it now, but our spirit takes its time. Flesh seeks its own comfort. You want to be comfortable, and you will pad your life with comfort. That's flesh, but spirit embraces sacrifice. Our flesh is about impressing others, but our spirit longs to please God and God alone. Our flesh will produce death, but spirit produces life. There is a fight on the inside of us. Are you catching this today? Listen, the struggle is real. You are not alone. Paul says we've got to fight the good fight. Come on, it's a fight, but it's worth having. It's a good fight. Hebrews 12 says this, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. How many of you know we struggle against sin? 
As believers, we struggle against those things of darkness. Now, before you come to Christ, you don't realize this, but you're a slave to sin. You're running in the patterns of darkness and wickedness. But when you say yes to Jesus, there's a spirit that comes inside of you that opposes that darkness. And it's a desire to do the things of God. You know, your flesh will surprise you. Your flesh will. How many of you know you'll manifest at a moment that just like, what? You'll be in church and you know what's happening right now? The word is going forth and your spirit is being edified. Then you'll get in the parking lot and try to leave. How many know your flesh will manifest as you're driving down the road? Come on, talk to me. (laughs) When you drive, it reminds you that you're still being sanctified. Can I have a good amen? (laughs) Pastor Larry was speaking to a group of pastors one time, and he said this, Pastor, don't preach like an angel out of heaven and then get in your car and drive like a bat out of H-E-double hockey sticks. (laughs) How many of you know your spouse? How many married couples do we have? Yeah, now I'm talking where we live. Your spouse and your kids know how to press those buttons, don't they? Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. Fighting and fussing on the way to church and then getting the house of God. Oh, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah, pastor. So good to see you. You have an issue at work. How many know people that work with you? can get on your last nerve. Am I? Oh, come on, help me. Help me up in here. Help me up in this house. They lie about you, man. They step on you to try to get that promotion, man. They, uh, and you don't think you're being tested, but you have moments of flesh come out. Let somebody criticize you. Get an email. Welcome to my world, baby. People taking shots at you, and man, your flesh wants to. Oh, I'm gonna give you a piece of my mind. Oh, I got this scripture. I got And you go to press send, and your spirit's like, Well, maybe God won't see. Send. Somebody say the struggle is real. Listen, you're not alone in the struggle. Check this out. In Matthew 16, let me go through this quickly. In Matthew 16, Peter has a moment of both spirit and flesh. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, what's the word on the street about me? They say, well, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. He says, okay, well, what do you say about Who do you say that I am? The apostle Peter, led by the Spirit, says you are the Christ. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. From now on, your name is Peter. And upon this rock, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. My church will be built upon the rock. And in the same chapter, just read it. Read it this week. The same chapter, just a few verses down. Jesus is telling his disciples, look, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over to the Romans. I'll be crucified. I'll be buried. But I'm three days later, I'm coming. What does Peter say? He begins to rebuke Jesus. He says, God forbid, you will never go to the cross. What did Jesus say to Peter? Satan, get thee behind me. This is in the same chapter. How many know there's spirit and then there's flesh? And then in verse 24, Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Wait a second. I thought the cross was for Jesus. 
Why do we have to take up our cross? Because we have this thing called flesh. And guess what? We got to crucify it every day. Come on, somebody say, the struggle is real. Say, I'm not alone. It's impossible in your own strength to live up to this standard of perfection. You can't do it in your own strength, but thank God you don't have to. Number two, the struggle is real, but number two, power is available. The struggle is real. You're not alone, but watch this. Power is available. You and I have a choice. Notice what he says in chapter 8. Now, this is the same letter. When Paul wrote the letter, he didn't give chapters and verses. It was all one letter. And in a few sentences later, he says this, verse 1, Romans 8, 1. So now, somebody say, so now. Okay, Paul, you talked about your struggle. Now what? He says, now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Verse 2, and because you belong to him, the power, somebody say the power, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. Somebody say freed. There's, there's freedom in this power from the power of sin that leads to death. Listen, the temptation around you is big, but the power inside of you is bigger. The power of sin is broken when we live by the Spirit. Y'all ever get in fights uh, when you were young? You had siblings. You ever get in a fight with your brothers and sisters? Uh, listen, I have an older sister and a younger sister, so I'm, I'm the middle child. Any, any middle, middle children here? Oh, yeah. Y'all are understanding me. Y'all understand me really well. And sometimes they fight and they fuss and they, they try to tell you what to do, and you have to say, no, no, no. I don't have to do what you say. You're not my boss. Right? You remember saying that? They try to control you and tell you, all this. Nah, 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 nah. you're not my boss. I don't have to do what you say. Guess what? Sin is not your boss. You don't have to do what your sinful nature says. Look at Romans 8, 11. Check this out. This is a big deal. Somebody say big deal. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, wait a second. This is huge. How did Jesus conquer death, hell, and the grave? The Spirit brought him up out of that tomb. Can I tell you? That is power. The same Spirit that lifted Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. So look at what it says in verse 12. Somebody say, therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to know what it's there for. Because the Spirit lifted Jesus out of the tomb, because that Spirit dwells inside of you, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Just because your flesh says to do it doesn't mean that you have to. Somebody say, I have a choice. Say, I have the power to make the right choice. When you live by the Spirit, you're not a slave to the desires of your flesh. Can somebody say amen? You see, th this is huge. Be careful when it comes to walking in freedom. Be careful who and what you invite into your life. Let me say this again. The struggle is real. You're not alone. But power is available. You got to make some right choices now. There are some things that would help you walk in freedom 
if you just eliminated them out of your life. There may be some people, come on, talk to me, when you hang with the wrong people. I went, uh, when I was in college, I went through a season of loneliness because I wanted to do things that pleased God. And everybody else, it seemed like everybody else around me was living to please themselves. And so I had some choices I needed to make. Can I tell you this? You may feel lonely, but you're never alone. Man, when you say, I may have to walk through a season where it feels like I'm, I'm isolated, but God, you were with me. And I want to tell you this, the Lord will honor your decisions and bring the right relationships into your life. You see, the principle is this. You will always walk like who you walk with. There's no way to avoid that. We will always walk like those that we walk with. Proverbs says when you walk with the wise, you become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer great harm. You know, when you're born, you look like your parents. But when you die, you look like your relationships. Some of you need to eliminate some toxicity out of your life. You know what? And I wouldn't even say this because we live in a culture of access and excess. Here's how bondage works. Our culture is so over the top. We're extreme in so many things. Be careful what you invite into your life. Drugs, alcohol, porn. It's so accessible and available. Gambling, can I tell you, sports betting is so easy. It, it won't take much to just trip you up and get you into some practices that lead you into full-blown bondage. You say, Mike, what's the big deal? It's not illegal. Listen, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Oh, come on. Doesn't mean you should. I say this because as your pastor, I want you not to just experience freedom. I want you to walk in freedom every day. You have the power to be free inside of you. Make good choices. Let me sum it up this way and say it like this. Feed your spirit. Starve your flesh. Feed your spirit. Ask yourself, does this decision, does it feed my spirit or does it feed Feed my flesh. The struggle is real. You're not alone. Power is available. You have choices. Now, let me leave you with this final thought. Let me see. I want you to hear this. Hear this from your pastor. Change is possible. You can be free. Change is possible. Freedom is available to you today. I want you to turn your attention to the screen, and I want you to see this testimony of a man in our church and how God used him, walked him through darkness into a place of freedom. Check this out. My name is Burke Patterson. My wife, Laura, and I have attended Healing Place for 20 years. Uh, I have three children. Mary Margaret's the oldest. She's married to Gerard, and they just had... Uh, my first grandson, uh, my son Payne is 25, and my daughter Sarah is 15. I was raised with a charismatic Christian mother. My father passed away right before my second birthday. My mom remarried a widower who had five kids. She had three. It was a blended family of eight. It was wild, it was crazy, it was fun. I was the youngest, 
and I led kind of a charmed life. Uh, I was spoiled. Uh, I filled my life with the things of this world and thought that, you know, this running around with Jesus and all that was kind of for people that were just needy and weak and it just wasn't for me. I had my first drink when I was 14 years old and immediately fell in love with alcohol. I'd always been very, very shy, uh, low self-esteem, um, very reserved, and what alcohol did was allow me to come out of my shell. My drinking progressed through high school. When I got to college, I majored in two things, and that was partying with the fraternity and chasing my now wife, Laura, uh, who was the first girl I met at TCU and absolutely fell in love with her the first time I met her, and, and she's an angel. Laura married me in 1992. Uh, we proceeded to, to build a life. And from the outside, everything looked perfect. Perfect job, perfect house, perfect career. Everything looked perfect. But on the inside, we were in crisis. My drinking had escalated from having fun to really needing alcohol to cope. I would be okay Monday through Friday, but come the weekend, I would drink till I passed out or got sick. And after seven years and me, you know, numerous disappointments and being an absentee father and a terrible husband, uh, she asked me to leave. And I'll never forget in my bathroom, on the phone with Laura, her telling me that she wanted a divorce. And that was the first time I'd heard that word divorce come out of her mouth. And that's when it really hit me. I'm about to lose my family. And I remember hanging up with her and getting down on my knees and just saying, Jesus, help me. My life is out of control and it's my fault. And I immediately turned myself, my whole life over to Jesus and surrendered fully because I was broken. And for the first time in my life, I felt a peace. And I love Psalm 34, 4 that says, I prayed out to God and He answered me and He delivered me from all my fears. That's one of the first verses that God gave me. And He did, and He delivered me from that. And I was no longer anxious. I was no longer miserable. I no longer felt the need to escape with alcohol. And the miracle of this is it took some time, but Laura saw the new Burke and I was able to get my marriage back. He redeemed my marriage miraculously. We've been married 31 years. And I think Laura would hopefully agree last year was our best year ever. And if he can do it for us, he can do it for anyone. And if you cry out to God, He will answer. Thank you for letting me share my story. Come on, can we put our heads together? Burke, Laura, would you stand? Can we take a moment and celebrate what God has done in Burke's life and in this family? I love this family. All glory to God. All glory to God. But now Burke is one of my board of trustees. He serves in a leadership role in this church. I want to tell you, God can take you from the very depths. Uh, there's not a place that you go that God's grace cannot reach you. Can somebody say amen?
Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.